I was raised in a town called Grand Haven. We were two dunes away from the beach. We'd go over these two hills and we were on Lake Michigan. The only time you can swim in Lake Michigan is late summer because it's like 60s in, the, in June and July and then it gets up in the 70s. But love the experience there. We, my dad had built a big home. We had a big boat and we had a camper. But uh, we were in trouble. My brothers had a ride in a police car a time or two, uh, not for the enjoyment of it, but to just, the police wanted to meet my dad and mom real bad. And, uh, but seriously, we, we were not, we were, we were saved. Uh, we thought we were saved. We were attending a Christian Reformed church. We were all sprinkled. And we, my mom and dad were, were believers at the time, but none of us kids really were interested in church. And uh, my dad made a lot of money. He, he worked at a printing company that was managed the company. It was called Pipple Patterson, strange name, but two guys' names combined. And a union came in to Pipple Patterson and, and put them out of business, you know, demanding high rates and people wouldn't work hard and all that. And I'm not bashing unions, I'm just saying. It caused my dad to lose his job. And that was the beginning of God's sovereignty in, uh, well, he's always been sovereign, but for God's plan to get us to know the Lord Jesus because my dad couldn't find work. Finally, he took a job working for his brother who was in the insurance business on the other side of the state. So we moved to Lansing, Ugh, flat. You know, Grand Haven had the dunes and the mountains and the hill, you know, it was just beautiful farming country. And, and we moved to Lansing, auto industry, flat, just more crime. And we were just not happy moving to Lansing. But it ended up being a great, great thing for our family because my siblings met their spouses there. That's one story. But my dad was just searching and, and wasn't happy selling insurance, ended up getting a job, another job or two. And, and, but in the meantime, we just began to struggle so much financially. We sold the boat. We sold the camper. We sold the brand new Chrysler. You know how things go when you're struggling. And we didn't have as nice a home. We weren't near the lake and, you know, all those things. And uh, my dad was just not understanding what God was doing. And a guy uh, came and invited us to his church. And it was First Baptist Church of Okemos. So we all went to this Baptist church. And we had a big family. And, uh, you know, all seven of us kids were saved and baptized. And uh, in the process of time, five of us were saved and baptized. And two others came along later and got baptized. But that church you know, made a big change in our life because we weren't hearing the gospel like we needed to hear the gospel. So we heard the gospel and we got saved and baptized. And, you know, it was a great, great experience to be saved. But, you know, at that age, you just realize you've made a decision. There's something going on inside. You don't really realize what all God's doing. But in God's sovereignty, he moved us. And there began a whole new life in each of our lives. And my siblings are all good Christian people. My older sister, they have Bible studies in their home, active in church. My older brother's a Sunday school teacher, active in church, uh, a church in Grand Rapids. And just on down the line, I'm so thankful my sister's a missionary and it was in Russia, now she's in Moldova. And just what happened, and God began to work in my life. I began to attend a great church. Uh, we needed a church with a bigger youth group, so we moved from Oklahoma Baptist to South Baptist. My pastor preaches on Moody, and he preaches at all these big seminaries, a well-known well guy, uh, and I just admired him so much. I would just think, oh, I wish I could be him, you know? So bright and brilliant with Scripture. 
And the things that happened, just slowly and continually, I began to grow and see things from a different perspective. And I was still struggling with my Christian walk. But I was playing basketball in a gym in Michigan State's campus in, in a tournament there, and I was playing ball. And Tennessee Temple's coach approached me after the game, said, I want you to come to Tennessee Temple. And said, uh, you know, I just believe you ought to come down there and play ball for us. And... Uh, I decided to go down there on a trip, and I went home and I told my mother, I'm not going to that school. Everybody told me I needed a haircut, needed to shave. Said so it's really strict, I couldn't take it there. And I went to see my pastor, and he said, well, just, well, just do this, just pray about it, he said. Of course, I knew he wanted me to go, you know, but I just began to pray about it. One thing led to another, and I surrendered to, to go off to Bible college, but I told my mom it'll be one year, and then I'm coming back. And just to please pastor, please you, one year. And of course, that all changed. <laughs> that all changed. And God began to work them hard. And I had a few Bible professors, Dr. James Price, just a brilliant man. My Hebrew professor reminded me of my pastor, so brilliant. And one person after another made an influence, impact on my life. Now, the, the, the rest of the story is that in that summer, after getting a scholarship, I broke my leg and tore ligaments to my ankle and came down here on crutches you know. And Temple didn't give you your scholarship if you're injured. So I lost that. So I had to sell my car to pay for my first semester. And I'm like, God, what in the world are you doing to me? I wanted to play ball, you know. You know, and, and when you look at what God does in your life, we're talking about God's sovereignty this morning in Moses. Wasn't that awesome? How that his parents hide him in the bulrushes, uh, the long uh, weeds that hung out of water. And then how uh, how sovereign it was that Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe at that spot. And the maiden saw the little, little uh, basket and walked over and then the baby cried and she had compassion and she called for someone to feed the baby and how it was the mother. You know, all those things. And God is still sovereign in our lives, just like that. He, he does things, everything he does, he does with a purpose. And I'm going to be brief tonight. I've changed my, I was going to preach a different message, but I just think Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 are what I want to look at for a few moments. And uh, so we'll, we'll go there and share. I love Romans 12, 1 and 2. And, I, and by the way, I love testimonies, and sometimes God changes things. He has a plan, just like tonight. Uh, I, I laugh because... <clears throat> When I was a young guy, I preached a lot louder and harder because I had that energy, <laughs> you know, you can't do that when you're, when you're, what am I, 36 or 46, 66. Um, <clears throat> you, you can't do that anymore. And I remember when I first <clears throat> went and started a church in the Panama Canal Zone, all the experiences, we, we rented a place, H Adose San Judas. That was our house. That's where we lived. That's H12 in St. Jude. We started the church here, 12 miles from the closest base. We grew to about 20. But the first time I preached here, the very first week, we had a metal roof without any insulation, and it began to pour. <laughs> I had one person visiting, Brother Al, and he was our first member. He was our treasure. When you have one person, he becomes the treasure. And I remember preaching that first Sunday, and the rain came down. And I am screaming at two people my wife and brother Al, screaming at him just to do a regular message. And I'm a teacher. It's kind of hard to say this word is this word and, and all that. And, and, you know, that's really challenging. But 
All those experiences developed me as a person. We had the church up to about 150, and then they had a blade jewel. A blade jewel is when there's going to be a war in that country, and they get everybody out. I lost every church member except two Panamanians, and none of them came back. So we went from 150 to two, and then we had to build that whole thing back up. God gave us, a, we, he gave us two buildings, one in Coco Solo, a, a naval base, and then he gave us another building in Gatun, which was the, the Canal Zonian people who worked on the canal near, closer to army bases. Both buildings were given to us. We didn't pay a thing for them. My father-in-law was on the other side an hour and a half away. He said, man, you're the luckiest guy. I've been praying for a building for 20 years, and you get two of them. And uh, it, God just blessed us, and God blessed him. He eventually got a building as well. But just all the experiences that we went through, the, the war, being, you know, searched for the AK-47, and someone who knew us came over and saved our life. Uh, a bomb blew up our apartment uh, a week after we moved out. You know, and you look at all that afterwards, and you realize, you know, God's really had his hand on me. From breaking my leg to moving from one place to another. And we know that God is, is a God who has a plan for our life. And it's not all good. It's not all good. Ecclesiastes says he makes everything beautiful in his time. It doesn't say all things are good. It says all things work together for good. To them who are called according to his purpose in Romans 8, 28. But I love this passage here just for a moment. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, and I know I usually have you stand. Let's not stand tonight. I've messed up already. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. There's the key. There's the key. How many people do I know that want to be perfect before they surrender to God to be used by God? You'll never get there if that's what you're trying to do. You say, God, here am I, and you know what I am. I ask you to use me, God. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. And that really includes the idea of giving up your own ambitions, your own desires, to, to say, Lord, I want your desires in my life. I want to do what you want me to do. And Paul says here, I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And the next word is the word holy. And that's translated in your Bible quite often, sanctified. Sanctified. We have to make an attempt to live holy, but God's a difference maker. You can go out and do things and try to uh, be holy, but holiness is submitting to God's leadership in your life. And when he points something out, you say, Lord, I realize that's wrong. I really want to change. Will you help me change? Holiness is not a list of rules to please your pastor. That's not it. That's obedience to rules, maybe. Holiness is saying, God, I want you to change in my life what needs to be changed. And holiness is a day-by-day -day thing. We must die daily. We don't all of a sudden get up one day and all of a sudden we're holy. I can tell you, our days are like waves, aren't they? You get up one day and your, your kids or your wife or your dog will look at you and say, something's wrong with you today. My dog knows when I'm in a bad mood, it'll just go to the other room. Even your dog knows when you're not doing well, you know. But, you know, when your kids point things out in your life and you realize, I'm not very holy today. We present our bodies and we yield to him. 
And, you know, when I first came out of Bible college, I, I had everything lined up just perfect. I had kept all those rules that I'd learned. But when I got on the mission field, it didn't apply. <laughs> I'm with real people who don't understand those concepts. Um, and, and, I, and I know that we, we think that if we do this and that, we're right with God. Here was my first thought. When I, when I got right with the Lord at 19, my, my buddies came to know the Lord, and I said, Lord, I know I'll be a good Christian if I quit partying and carousing and getting in fights and stuff like that. I'll be a good Christian. Doesn't work that way, does it? I quit all that long ago. That still didn't make me a good Christian. Being a good Christian is a relationship. It's not obeying rules. It's not going to church three times. Although I want you here three times, that's not it. It's not obeying rules. It's not pleasing your pastor. It's pleasing the Lord who lives in you and guides you moment by moment. But we have to present our body a living sacrifice. We don't offer dead animals anymore. We offer ourselves. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And the word service is an interesting word. You know what word it is? It's the word latrine. Military guys know what that is, right? That's service, isn't it? You know, sometimes to be a good military man means you just have to be the latrine orderly. You clean the bathrooms. And we think of Christian life as, boy, if I can be a great Sunday school teacher, if I can be a great preacher. No, it's if I can be a great servant. It's all about servitude. What did Jesus do? What example did he set? He washed the disciples' feet. About the lowest task is to wash feet. He was a servant. He was submissive to God in everything. He said, God, I really don't want to go to the cross and suffer, but I'll, I'll do what you tell me to do, Lord. And that's obviously a paraphrase, but you know he said that. Are we willing to do whatever the Lord asks us to do? And you just submit and serve the Lord. And be not conformed to this world. My neighbor was a, made pottery. He went to Iowa, got his art degree, and he got his master's, and he was an art teacher. He's dead now. His name was Alexander Cutchins, a German background. I witnessed to him all the time, and I never knew him to get saved. And part of the problem was he knew me both ways, and I think the way he saw me when I was, you know, his age as a teenager, he probably had no desire for my Lord. Later, I grew and came back and talked to him again. But I think that I blew opportunities to, to be a minister to him and to serve him. And I hope he trusted the Lord someday. But uh, he made pottery. And he would, he would conform that pottery. He would work on it till it looked perfect. Now, we're not to be conformed to this world. We're not to try and shape our life to be like the world. We're supposed to yield to God, which means we're saying, God, take my life in, and I have no control over it. Even when we make decisions, we think, boy, that's our decision, and I made a good decision. Actually, God knew the decision you would make. And most often, if you prayed about it, he guided you correctly. He never guides us incorrectly. We make bad decisions because we don't include him. We don't pray about it. We don't have peace. Yet let the peace of God rule. We don't do that. That means umpire. That's where we got our word umpire from. And we, a lot of times we make decisions because we want things. We want things a certain way. And are we willing to yield and say, I want to conform to your standard, Lord. I want to do things your way. That's what Paul's challenging them to do. Be not conformed to this world, 
but be ye transformed. And you know that word. That little caterpillar goes in with 14 legs and all that fur and comes out a beautiful new creation. Six legs, beautiful wings, nothing else. What happened to the other? What happened to the fur? What happened to the other legs? It's a metamorphosis. It's a miracle on the inside. That's the word. And when we're transformed, we're a miracle on the inside. And we're going to eventually be better looking on the out. Not physically. But people are going to look at us differently because we've been changed. And look at it says, by the renewing of your mind. As Christians, we think different. We are unusual people in the way we think. Because people of the world would never understand what we think, the way we think. Uh, I know how many times I've seen things and you've seen things where you work with someone years ago I was a meat cutter and quite often we would have people in the butchers, you know, meat cutters. I was a manager for a while and training to take my own, get my own market and I had a bunch of cutters and quite often we'd be missing a either a tenderloin or a ribeye or a New York strip, a whole, the whole thing. And we find one of our meat cutters would cut it up, wrap it up real nice, throw it in the dumpster and dump it in the dumpster. Throw it in the barrel and dump it in the dumpster. And we'd catch him and of course you'd have to fire him because it's very expensive and, and we never, you know, we looked look down upon that. There was a time where I found one cut up and a co-worker said, we ought to just keep it, nobody's gonna know. That's the way the world thinks. And I said, no, I, I can't do that. This is a new, new employee. Well, they've already thrown it away. You can't sell it. It's going to have to be thrown away because you know, we couldn't sell it. We couldn't bring it back in the market. It had to be disposed of because it had been contaminated. But they just thought, why not just take it? Nobody's going nobody's to care. You're going to throw it away anyway. And I would say no, and they didn't understand that. And the world, you know, they look at us and think we're nuts. We look at them and we know they're nuts. But we, we have the Lord in us. And we can't do anything like that that's questionable. We think differently. We have a renewed mind. We have a regenerated heart. The Spirit of God has regenerated us, given us new life. We live differently. And he says that you may prove that what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I read a great book years ago, A Daily Walk Leads to a Perfect Will. We talk about God's will a lot. And in mission work, we hear all kinds of sermons on the will of God, the will of God. And everyone needs to go to the mission field. And I've learned that that's not the case, you know. And everyone needs to surrender and submit to this and that. And, and we hear all that. And yet, do you know God has a perfect plan for each of us? And it may not be to preach or to go to the mission field. It may be to be a good worker where you are. God's will is to avoid fornication, the Bible says, doesn't it? It's not God's will for us to fornicate, but it's God's will for us to live for him day by day, moment by moment. And I challenge you tonight to examine your heart and say, am I yielding to God in the small things? Everyone wants to yield in the big things. Oh, I'll surrender to go to Africa to be a missionary. That's easy to surrender to do that. You know what's hard to do? Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Be patient with your children. Not complain when you're in the, in the grocery store. It's difficult. When someone's rude to you, that's so difficult. That's the test of whether you're walking in God's will day by day. And we all fail. 
And so what do we do? We have our strength. We need to be renewed in strength day by day and moment by moment. Because we can be successful for 15 minutes after church, but I don't know about tomorrow morning when someone cuts us off while we're traveling. So what is God's will? It's yielding to him all the time in every little thing. And I, I think I was preaching down in South Carolina and the great preacher, and I got to look up his name, he signed my Bible, Frank Sells from Columbia Bible College. He was preaching the same church I was. That was intimidating because he was just a great preacher. And uh, I remember listening to him talk about the importance of those tiny little decisions we make. And I was like, wow, he talked about yielding, 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 yielding. I never forgot the message. We need to yield moment by moment every day because we blow it more than we are successful because we don't want to yield to God's way. We want our way. We're like little children born saying, it's mine. No, it's mine. And God says, when are you going to yield and say that you belong to me? That you're a vessel that I can use. And I think we all need to understand the importance of yielding ourselves a living sacrifice to God that he can use us. Because we can, we can elevate this church in God's eyes by just yielding to him in this community. Yielding maybe helping my brother. I have often criticized him. He was a rabble rouser too, and both my brothers were. And Randy's kind of an oddball, I think. I mean, you're rushing to go somewhere, and Randy wants to jump out of the car to help a crippled man across the street. And I'm like, what are you thinking? You know, I'm speaking in 10 minutes at this church, and you want me to stop so you can help that guy across the street? Now, who was right and who was wrong? <laughs> You know that answer. Randy. And I love the way he serves the Lord, and he's never taught a Sunday school class or preached a sermon, but he sure lives a sermon because he cares about people. He had a business. He wasn't a great businessman. Our family would get on him about his business ways, but he would hire prisoners to work for him. One guy broke in, stole his TV, stole a lot of his tools. Another guy, you know, was taking a crowbar and trying to attack my brother because my brother caught him stealing something. And this is how my brother lived his life. And I was always like, what is wrong with you? Well, it's really what was right with him. He cared about people I didn't want anything to do with. It's kind of convicting when you're a preacher to realize your brother cares about people that I need to care about. And I love that about him. But he just said, Lord, I, I, I'm a bulldozer operator and a <laughs> landscaper. But if you can use me, and God used him. I think we're going to be shocked when we get to heaven. We think all the great churches were the great mega churches with the big pastors that are going to all be in the front of the line, or we're going to be shocked. We find out some custodian in a little church of 20 in West Virginia is in the front of the line because he served people, because he was a broken person. So I just want you tonight to know that God wants us to yield ourselves to him and let him do a work. We're incapable of doing anything good for God. All our righteousness is, is as filthy rags. So let's yield tonight. God bless us. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for the wonderful testimonies, Lord. And, and that's so important for us to share from our hearts. And we thank you for that. And we will continue to do that, Lord. And just bless us as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name.